You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast with Pastor Brent Gerard. In Focus Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Evans, Georgia, with a mission to love God, love people, and reach the world. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you are listening, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at InFocus Church. We hope this message encourages you and leaves you feeling challenged to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I don't know if there's any song, there's probably are, but I, that makes me want to play the drums. Like, I'm over there with Josiah just going, yes. I don't know about you, man, sometimes you get worship faces and, and they're, they're not attractive. Um, but you don't care. Like, I don't care what I look like right now. Some of y'all care too much about what you look like. Uh, but in worship, I don't really care. Oh, man, look at him. He's offbeat. I don't care. And I'm probably not. So shut up. No, I'm just kidding. Man, that was powerful. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. What is the Spirit of the Lord saying to us? And I would be remiss if I've been teaching this as we've been walking through the book of Revelation and each of those starting what the Spirit, if, for those who have ears, what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, listen up. And I would be remiss if I didn't actually do what I was preaching. So today I am pivoting out of our series of Revelation because I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is saying something to us today in a different text, in a different way. So if you're new here, then you need to know this is who we are. We plan, we prepare, because that's good and godly. But if the Spirit of God is saying to do something else, then we set aside our plans and we move towards His. So that's who we are, and so that's what I'm doing today. So if you have your Bible, and you're bringing your faith, and you're prepared to hear what God has to say to this church today, then I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And we're going to be reading this together and trusting God to speak to our hearts. Amen? Here's what the word says. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. So she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and said, go, he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what's left. Could you imagine with me? for one second, what it might be like to be stranded in a desert wasteland with nothing but maybe a small 
bottle of water left. And with no obvious source to refill your bottle anywhere near, you knowing that as it slowly drains to nothing but a few drops, that once you take that last drop, once you put that last drop of water on your parched tongue, there is no more water and you're going to die. A bit morbid, but that is the desperate situation that this unnamed widow is in with her two sons. When this jar, this flask is empty, it's over. On the other hand, what if we think that there's an endless supply of something? Kind of like I've got this bottle of water and I'm not afraid that I can't get another one if I drink all of this. So, bottoms up. But we often take for granted when we have something in abundance. We either take it for granted or we indulge ourselves or we waste it. That's usually how it goes. Take for our example of my childhood and probably many of yours growing up no matter how hot it was no matter how much I was sweating no matter how long I had played whatever I was playing basketball football soccer badminton I don't know whatever I was playing no matter how hot I was I knew that I was just a few feet away from a hose full of rust, rubber-laden water. And I was just going to sit there and drink it until I threw up. Right? You weren't concerned about the person behind you. You weren't concerned that it was going to run out. You weren't trying to conserve water for the next person behind you. Matter of fact, like I said, most of us just drank until we literally wanted to throw up. Because that's what we could do. We had an endless supply of water at our fingertips. But I think there's something that we can do that is a lot better when we have an endless supply of something than drink till we throw up or waste it. Because that was the other thing we do. Sometimes we just forget and leave it on. And walk away, much to our parents' irritation and anger. Who left the water running? Who left the spigot on? Oh, I just thought it was an endless supply of water. This is what I'm here to preach to you today, church. For those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. To this church, for those who are in need, maybe even a desperate situation with no visible way out, I want you to know this. God's supply is endless, and he is our abundant provider who never fails. Where we're thirsty today, God, through the inexhaustible supply of his living word, is here to satiate us, to transform our lives, to renew our minds, to refresh our souls. And no matter what you might be going through, no matter what scarcity you may be dealing with, it could be a desert of financial lack, or it could be something else that you're in a desperate situation. But I want to exhort you. I want to build your faith today, church. It's time to stop living like like we're dying in the desert when there's an endless supply of God's sufficiency that is available to us. So let's look first at this story for what it is. Before I start taking you down a 
a metaphor-laden message today. Let's talk about what the story is really about. What is it about? It's a story about God's provision and a desperate woman's faith. That's what this story is about. God's abundant provision and a desperate woman's faith. We'll go back to the scripture in verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. They were God-fearing people. They loved the Lord. These were, we would say, these were Christians. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. At this time and context, God raised up prophets. That's what he did, such as Elisha. And Elisha would travel and teach in these schools, training young men in the law of what God had said. And, and they were existing as a force of righteousness in the earth and in the nation that they were in. Students were called sons of prophets, or in this translation, the company of prophets. And in this instance, one of them had died, leaving his wife and his two sons without adequate provision, and there was no way for them to make this type of provision. The sons were too young probably to do any kind of work. All they could be uh, used for is to be sold into slavery to pay for her debt. So she needs miraculous provision for an actual debt. This is not a metaphor. She needs actual provision for a financial debt. And maybe some of you are in the same situation. She's in a position of financial lack and a desperation that most of us will never know in this life. But here's what we see. We see clearly how God not only wants to minister to the spiritual need, but how he also wants to take care of the physical need. God is not just a spiritual God. He also takes care of the physical needs that he has because he knows our frame. So the situation she's in is so dire, no human wisdom is going to get her out of this. No amount of hard work is going to get her out of this. Nobody's going to have an answer that's going to be the, the key that unlocks the problem for her. She is hopeless, she is helpless, and she needs a miracle from God. Maybe that's where you are personally today. Maybe we find ourselves individually and then also corporately as a church in need of a miracle. Maybe you have an actual debt that you need a miracle for. As a church, we have actual debt that we need a miracle for. So what is our response? Well, in the case of this unnamed widow, we see that she cried out to Elisha, whom she knew as a man of God. She went to the right place to ask for help. This can be overlooked as we read through this text, but it is so important. Where do you go to ask for help? Where do you go when things start to fall apart, when you're in a desperate situation, when you are hopeless and circumstances are difficult? Where do you turn? Because there's plenty of options, but they won't all give the godly answer. Sometimes we just turn into ourselves turn into our own strength. We even begin to ask God and, and, and say to him, well, well, Pastor Brent, I'll tell you where I go. We get, get real religious. I go to God. That's where I go. We give the spiritual answer. I go to God, brother, and we should, but God's provision for us is usually clothed in flesh along the way. 
It's called the body of Christ. It's called brothers and sisters in Christ. It's called the church. You need someone who is actually going to walk alongside you and pray with you and walk with you and point you to Jesus and actually meet your physical needs as the hands and feet of Jesus in the earth. Yes, God is moving, but he moves through his people. I have received plenty of checks in my life and none of them signed by God himself. But I knew they were from God for this body. Never seen Yahweh. But I have seen God's provision. And it's come through his people. Let's keep reading. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. I want you to notice that Elisha asked a question. It's a prophetic question, really. Tell me what you have in your house. So what do you have? In essence, he's saying, I know what you've lost, and that's terrible, and I'm sorry. But what do you still have? This was a similar pattern that Jesus often followed when he was ministering to those that he encountered who were desperate, in need of a miracle, hurting, marginalized. And when he came to those miracle moments, well, what's wrong? What do you need? Do you want to be healed? Well, what do you have? Immediately, here's why, there is an assessment. There's an invitation to assess what do you have that God can use. In other words, take your eyes off of your lack and take your eyes off of what you don't have and put your eyes on what you do have. Eyes off of problem, eyes on solution, eyes off of here, eyes on to God, eyes not downcast, but eyes uplifted. Here is the answer. Your servant has nothing at all. You notice how she answered first? See, Elisha didn't even ask her what she didn't have. He asked her what she did have. He asked, what do you have? And then, you know, if I'm Elisha, if I, and thank, you know, the Lord, I'm not, he knows better, he's sovereign. I was like, really? You got nothing. Nothing in your whole house. And here's what he's saying, nothing at all. But again, that's where we default to as human beings, right? Well, I don't have anything. I don't have anything except this little jar. And it's so insignificant that that it would be futile to mention. That's only if we're talking about our strength and our provision. But we're talking about the unending supply of God, the God of wonders, the God of creation, a God who is unmatched and taking small, insignificant things and doing great, miraculous things. That's who we're talking about. So here's the deal, church. Listen up. We always have more than we think if we put our trust in a God who is more than enough. Then I've always got more than I think. Well, you don't know. You don't know what I got, or you don't know how little I have. I know that God knows, and what you don't have is of no consequence to God. What you have that's very little is of no consequence to God. He just wants you to be obedient with what you do have. And here's what he does. He will miraculously multiply it. Actually, he's the only one who can take nothing and make something of it. Actually, zero times God will equal something. He can take nothing. All God needs is nothing for him to do something in your life. What he does need is your obedience to him. So we bring it. 
We talk about bring it. Everybody like back in the day was like, bring it. Bring it. This is what God's saying. Bring it to me. Go ahead and bring it. And you notice how we're great at exaggerating what we don't have? You notice how we're great at exaggerating our lack or what we're not good at or, or what we can't do? And instead of exaggerating what we don't have, we should be great exalters of the abundance that our God does have. Who is more than able to overcome every shortfall, every weakness, every deficiency. So instead of exaggerating our inability, we praise God's infinite ability. As people of God, we cannot have an I have nothing attitude. I mean, honestly, that's what I want to say. Look, as believers, we can't have an I have nothing attitude if we serve a God who has everything and can do anything. What do you have is what God is asking even of us today. What do you have? Well, then bring that to God. Trust God with it. And here we see a principle, if you will, of divine provision. And I'll give you four that I see in this particular text. Here's the first the principle of divine provision. Don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what you do have. And then give it to God. Like sometimes you go, don't focus on what you don't have, focus on what you do have, and then you stop right there. No, 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 no. Don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what you do have. But don't stop there. Give what you do have to God. Now, this is a passive scripture. And in this passive scripture, the unnamed woman did admit that she had a, a little jar, a flask of oil, which in her mind was negligible. I, I, I'm going to keep walking over here because me and my friend Clarence, we have stuff. I had this in my office, and now it's not probably indicative of exactly the flask. Flask back then probably was, they said, maybe about four inches by one inch little clay flask that had this oil in it. Well, this is actually a little jar of oil. So something to that size that she has in her possession, which in her mind was negligible or something she needed to preserve. I got to hold on to this. This is the last thing that I've got. But there's nothing, can I remind you, church, there's nothing negligible in the hands of an almighty God. Nothing insignificant in God's hands. There's nothing too small for God to use for his glory. As a matter of fact, there is nothing we do have, as insignificant as it may be, that he won't ask of us if we're putting more hope in that thing than we are in him. Even as I look at this story, it's not so much that, that she didn't, she had little, but she was holding on to that little. It was the last that she had. She said, well, what I've got is very little. It's, it's negligible, but I don't want to give it up because it's the last thing I have. And God will ask of us the thing that we're holding on to that we think is going to provide for us, even as little as it is compared to his abundance, if we're trusting in it more than we're trusting in him. There's nothing that God cannot use for his glory and your provision. The God who could create everything out of nothing is more than able to multiply something small into something great. As a matter of fact, this was way more than what God created the whole universe with. So what does she have? A flask, as I said, really small. And so what did Elisha tell her to do? Verse 3, Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all jars, and as each is filled, put one to the side. Okay, good. Bring what you have. But watch this. Go ask your neighbors for storage jars. Here's the second principle of divine provision I see. 
Don't face lack alone. Don't face lack alone. Elisha told the widow, connect with your community. Connect with your neighbors. Why do we want? We don't want to do that. Why? Because it's embarrassing. I don't want to admit my need. Why? Because it's embarrassing. Then I'll act like I, I don't have it all together. Then people are going to know that I don't have it all figured out. Then people are going to know that I'm lacking something. And then they're going to do like Job's friends and tell me I'm a sinner. Then they're going to come, out with their, come at me with their retribution theology and tell me, well, you sin, that's why you're in this problem that you're in. And, then, and I don't want to hear all of that. We give all of our excuses. But Elisha told her to connect with her neighbors, her community. Why? Because you are meant to be a part of a spiritual family called the community of Christ, the body of Christ, his church. And without it, when times of deficiency come and you're going to need help and you're going to go look for help or you're not going to look for help, whatever it is, when those times need, it's going to be impossible for you to receive what God has for you to provide through the body of Christ if we're not rightly attached to it. We don't do this life alone. We don't walk through the Christian life as a single individual. We are walking through it as a spiritual family. And we try to do it by ourselves. We default to doing it by ourselves. But it's not how God made us to live our Christian life. Share the need so that you can share the provision, so that you can build faith. Don't face lack alone. But also notice what Elisha told her to ask for. Storage jars. This, I have a picture. This is what it might have looked like. This is the storage jar picture, like something like that, right? So I don't have anything to scale, but they're way bigger than this. Something large. And then he says, and don't just ask for a few. Storage jars were big, large size, and God knew that that's what she needed. Why? Because when it comes to our God, we don't bring a flask to a storage jar party. I mean, if somebody said, look, I got an endless supply of $100 bills I want to give you. You just got to show up. You going to bring a Sterilite? You going to bring a little, uh, little I don't know, Tupperware? Hey, you just, just get, you're going to back up a pickup truck. You're going to find a U-Haul it. You're going to see if you got a friend who drives an 18-wheeler. And you're going to say, listen, I need you to come over here. There's an endless supply of $100 bills. What she had alone was not going to hold all that God was about to pour out into her life. And that's some of the point for us. We keep bringing flasks to God if we even admit we need his help. And he has an endless supply that he wants to pour out that is attached to him as our source. Because a mentality of lack doesn't prepare for a miracle of abundance. Whereas a mentality of faith prepares for a pouring out that cannot be stopped. So let's stop preserving what little we have out of fear while God is pouring out more than we can even handle by faith. He's pouring out and we keep bringing little flasks. Well, could you fill this up, God? Here's what I want to say to you, church. Keep bringing the jars. Like, like, keep bringing your jars to God. I've got another thing. I'm coming over here to Clarence again. Thanks, Clarence. You're amazing. Look, I got jars. I got a box full of jars. 
Why? Because if God has got it in the supply and this is attached to him, look, because it could be attached to nothing on the other side, or it could be attached to a source. That source is God. So if I want to come over here and fill up these jars, and that's what she's doing. This is a type of jar, like she's got something like this, like bring me more jars. This thing isn't ending up. And then she pulls out some more. Probably not a mason jar, but she pours them all out, right? She's taking these jars, and I can keep doing that, filling them up. Just keep bringing me the jars. She had, what was she doing? She had to exercise her faith by bringing what she had and also by getting as many storage jars as possible from the community around her. Her faith was coupled with obedience and action and other people. James says faith without works is dead. And God is not into doing things just for some kind of private show necessarily unless he's going to use us to be a blessing to others or use others to be a part of the miracle that he's doing. Why do you think we gather together people to pray for others? So we can all be a part of what God's going to do in that moment when we cry out to him just as she cried out to the man of God. Third principle of divine provision is she got her family involved. And I say this especially to those of you who have kids and and young kids. Get them involved in what God is doing in your life. We fight lack together. Teach your children. Model generosity and, and the trust in a faithful God in front of your children. Can you imagine what this miracle was going to do for the faith of her two sons for the rest of their lives? Oh, well, I don't know, guys. I don't know about God coming through. Whoa, 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 let me tell you what God did for me and my mom 30 years ago. Why? Because we're remembering people of the faithfulness of God in the past to trust him to come through for us in the present. So it could be your natural family, and I tell you one thing, it will be your spiritual family that you're walking through this, but no matter what, we're never alone. Why? Because principle number two, we're not going to face lack alone. We're going to involve our family. Another thing to notice is he told her to shut the door to her house and then to do all of this. Why? Because most people believe so that God could demonstrate privately his mercy and grace to this woman and her sons in that moment. I thought you said we weren't doing things privately. In that moment. This was not meant to be a spectacle. Because I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but humans enjoy the spotlight. I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but other humans gravitate towards spectacles and shows. Hey, what's going on here? Oh, wow, a miracle. Hey, I want to go there. I see some miracles. Did y'all see what God was doing for that woman over there? Come watch. This thing just keeps pouring out. Because other humans like to take advantage of God's grace on others. They want to get in on the bandwagon of the blessing without putting in the hard work of the sacrifice. Now, I have no doubt that everybody knew about what happened later on. But it was then that she was able to point to God and testify of his provision, and he can do the same for you. Verse 5, she left him. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. The oil stopped flowing. I want you to see the fourth principle of divine provision, and it's that the widow did something. She acted on the word. She acted on the prophetic word that was given to her. We must act on the word. 
We don't sit around and wait and do nothing. We partner with God and doing all that we know to do and then let God do what only he can do. This is faith. And we know that faith without action is dead. Another point to make is Elisha did not go into her house with her and her sons. She went in there with her sons by herself and shut the door. Why? So there was no doubt who did this miracle. It wasn't Elisha. It was the God of Elisha who did this miracle. It was the power of God alone. So she kept pouring and pouring until she ran out of jars. And as long as she brought the jars, she kept pouring. Can I tell you, church, as long as you bring and keep coming to Jehovah Jireh, your provider, he never runs out. He never runs out of provision. He never runs out of anything, as a matter of fact. There is never a time that you're holding a jar up to God and it starts to drip and stop like at the Keurig. It doesn't stop. There's never a point like, God, did you run out? God never runs out of provision. He continues to provide. You keep bringing your heart. He keeps pouring out his spirit. As a matter of fact, he pours out what? More than enough to meet your need and to take care of you in the future. Even in this case, the oil didn't stop flowing until they stopped bringing the jars. God never runs out. The living water never stops flowing. Many people believe that that if she'd have kept bringing jars, the oil would have kept on flowing. The only reason that the oil stopped flowing is because there were no more jars to put the oil into. It stopped flowing because there was nothing else to pour into. And God wants to pour into you. You just have to keep bringing yourself to him. Jesus is an unending supply. We just have to keep bringing our hearts and our lives to him. Jesus is our provider. We need him to keep bringing all the empty jars into our lives. And as he does so, and as we bring them to him, he pours into them strength and provision so that he can fill them with himself. There's one question I have as we read this last verse, verse 7. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. See, the answer to her desperate cry, in reality, was paid off debts and enough left over for her sons to live on. This is the result of this divine provision. But do you wonder... What would have happened if she had found and brought a few more jars? I mean, I just, these are things that I think about. What what if she had got some jars? I don't know. They just came from another town. They just kept coming. I have a friend who used to be a missionary in the Philippines with three small boys. He told me about a time that they were having to come back to the States. They were on Mission support, that's how they lived, support of other people. They were flying back to the States from the Philippines to raise support for the upcoming year, and three young boys were in a school that they had to pay tuition for. But if they paid all of the tuition up front for the whole year, they got a 25% discount on the tuition. So they said, you know, we would fly and we'd get over and we were trying to raise support. We had to raise enough money for our airfare tickets and to stay there. And then we had to raise, we were trying to raise enough money to pay for all three boys' tuition all at once for the entirety of the year. And God continually provided, he said. But he said there was a point where he and his wife were convicted that all they were praying for was that God would meet their needs. It was in that moment that we stopped praying for God to supply only our needs, not just for our kids to go to school, but for other kids to be able to go to school. 
so that God would use us as a blessing, not just our kids' school, but to help other kids, not just to take care of me, in this case of this woman, not just take care of me and my two sons, but other people who are in need in this community. When we take what we have and we cry out to God for his abundant provision, know that we can ask for more than our own needs. Why? So we can store up more? No, so we can be poured out as a blessing to others. We can just be storage jars and receive all the stuff that God gives us, or we can be those that pour out vessels used by God for the sake of others. So if it's financial need that we ask and we're asking for, then listen, I'm not just asking God to meet my need. I'm saying, God, fill up all these jars. I'm, you know, I'm just, hey, there's another one because I don't want to just meet my need. I want to be able to help somebody else who's in need so that I can be a blessing to others because that is what God has created us to be, not just to be blessed, but for the blessings of God to come through us and to be poured out to others. It's never, not, it's never just about enough peace for me to be at peace. It's about so much peace that's overflowing from God that I'm also a peacemaker. It's never just about enough hope for me to get through another day. It's enough hope that's poured out in my life that's overflowing that I can give hope to others who are hopeless. It's not just about financial need and about bringing my jars. It's meant for me to be a blessing to others by being poured out when my jar is full. It's time for you and I to get rid of the mentality of lack and prepare for a miracle of abundance. It's time not just to ask for our needs to be met, but for God to keep pouring out more than enough so that we can be a blessing to others, our needs plus. Here's why this matters so much. Here's why I found myself in a place of frustration over the last few years. Lack limits mission. Lack limits mission. God has given us a mission to accomplish that is unique, and it's to be a blessing to others around us as a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church right here in the middle of Evans, and not just here in our own community, but for the glory of God in all of the world, to every nation that he takes us to. And if we're crawling around in the deserts of lack, instead of bringing our jars for our own emptiness, our own emptiness, our own brokenness, and asking God to fill them, for God to fill them up, we're going to be hampered in our mission but we don't have to we don't have to be in this place where lack limits mission we can be in a place where faith fuels mission and I'm bringing this in faith God trusting in you faith in a faithful God who is a God with an endless supply more than enough you see the gospel tells me that these jars are not just indicative of God and financial provision they're not just indicative of God and abundant provision in any area, which they are, but they are also indicative of our lives in general. 2 Corinthians 4 says that you and I are jars of clay. Like We're like this, right? We're, I'll take the smaller one. I don't want to break one. We're like jars of clay that then he pours into. Here's what 2 Corinthians says. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. What am I? I'm jar of clay. This reminds us that what is valuable about us is what God pours into our lives. What is valuable about me is what God puts into me. What I bring to him, broken. 
worthless, sinful, as clay. And he pours into me the treasure of Christ, his love, his mercy, his grace, his peace, his abundance. And he never stops. He never stops pouring out until I stop bringing him the jar of my life. Never stops pouring out. See the abundant, unending provision of the gospel in this story as well. Because God is pouring out his spirit on us still today. And you know, I see in this woman, she said, listen, I, my creditor is coming and going to make my son slaves. And in my life, we were sentenced to be slaves as well. Slaves to sin. A creditor we couldn't pay. And there was nothing in my human wisdom, nothing in all my good works, nothing in all my strength or capacity that I could do, that you could do to get free. But Jesus came. And he poured out his blood on the cross. His blood paid our debts that we could never pay. And it continues to flow freely and endlessly to cover every sin, past, present, and future. The blood of Jesus flows over our lives and never stops flowing so that we can be overcomers and be victorious in this life. Missionally, I see these jars. If I, I see jars as other people's lives. So don't just bring the jars of your need to God, church. In focus as a church that cares about seeing people's lives change with the gospel, keep bringing the jars of other people's lives to church, to God, and let him fill their lives. Why? Because that's what God does. We see this in Acts, that God was lavishing his spirit on everybody who believed in Jesus. It was, didn't matter what culture they were from, nationality, ethnicity, all people, as the prophet Joel said. And that's who Peter was quoting in Acts chapter 2. Bring them all, and God is pouring out his spirit. All who follow Christ today experience the blessing of his Holy Spirit living within them and empowering them to live a life that brings glory to his name so I close with Ephesians 3.20 now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen so this endless supply is attached to a source that never runs dry. We bring our needs, we bring the jar of our needs, we bring the jar of our lives, and we keep bringing the jars of other people's lives that we know God wants to fill. Never stops pouring out. What I want to ask you today, church, is what do you have at your house? What do you have? And I don't ask what you don't have. Because God's not asking what you don't have. He knows what you don't have. But he wants to know if you know what you do have. And as small and as negligible and as little as it may seem to you. He's just saying, well, don't depend on that. Bring it to me. And the God of more than enough, who is abundant in every way, wants to pour out his blessing on us, church, so that we are no longer in a place, whether it's individually or corporately, where lack is going to affect mission. But faith is going to fuel it. And I believe God wants to do a miracle in your life, and I believe God wants to do a miracle in this church. I'm believing that. I'm bringing my jar, whatever it is. 
same. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are more than able. We're going to sing it in just a moment, but I don't want it just to be a song that we like. I want it to be a life that we're living. Lord, that out of our mouth comes the conviction of our hearts that we declare that you are more than able and we're not going to put our hope in a little flask anymore. We're not going to put our hope in our own empty jars of whatever they are. The empty jar of my strength. The empty jar of my provision. The empty jar of somebody else. The empty jar of this hope that's not you, God. We're going to take all of those empty jars of our own ability and we're going to bring them and we're going to put them in front of you and we're going to allow you to fill them with your abundance that's overflowing today and every day. So right now I'm asking you Make that assessment with God by His Spirit. What is He saying to you? What do you have? And now allow the divine provision of God to have its outworking in your life as you bring everything that you have to Him, no matter how small, no matter how negligible, no matter how desperate the situation is, and let God begin to pour out His abundance in every way. Don't walk through this alone. Involve your family and your spiritual family in this. And then do the work obediently of whatever God's telling you to do. And let's let God do what only he can do. And that's the miracle that we're looking for. Because he's more than able. Thank you, Jesus. We're believing. Even now, we're bringing our faith right now. Let's stand to our feet, church. Let's worship Jesus together. Thank you for listening to the In Focus Church podcast with Pastor Brent Gerard. In Focus Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Evans, Georgia, with a mission to love God, love people, and reach the world. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you are listening, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at InFocus Church.